With me in studio, I have uh, Pastor Johan and Pastor Marlise Mayer. They are from Reaching Communities uh, in Johannesburg. And I want to jump right into this conversation by starting with your testimony. The two of you have very interesting testimonies, Pastor Johan. Very interesting. Um, you share freely about how both your testimonies include coming from a background of homosexuality. Uh, perhaps let's start with you, Johan. Take us sure. back to where it started uh, and the journey that you've been on with God. Um, I I think I was exposed to certain uh, things in my life and it shaped a part of what I thought my sexuality was. So I was abused as a child and um, taken advantage of and violated sexually as a young boy and it shaped a part of my sexuality. Um, and then I lived in a household where I didn't always feel like I was accepted and loved, and that shaped uh, how I thought about myself and my sexuality. I grew up in a household where I didn't particularly have a great relationship with my dad. I suffered from some rejection issues, and that shaped a part of my sexuality, and it ended in me living a lifestyle of same-sex attraction in my teenage years up into my young adult years. Um, and then through some divine, um, I don't know, interaction of God and mm-hmm. involvement of God, it he changed parts of the truth that I believed and gave me his truth. And he shaped my life into something that I think is, is for me, beautiful. Yeah. I love my wife. I love my children. Uh, from, a, yeah, we had... My wife and I have five biological kids, one adopted son, and we've had the privilege of uh, fostering five children. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that's, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. You no, know. that's incredible. I, I'm going to get to that divine interaction that you had with God and what really um, brought about the transformation. Mm. Uh, my husband, Bishop Ed Belong, he always talks about how God is not interested in habit modification. Is interested in heart transformation. Oh, yes. So I can't wait to hear how that heart transformation uh, really happened for you. But I'm interested to know, Pastor Marlies, <laughs> um, t- talk to me about your journey with homosexuality because I'm trying to figure out whether your uh, divine interaction or divine connection with God, whether your change came together or separately. We'll get to that <laughs> in a bit. Uh, Marlies, good morning and welcome to you as well. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, for me, I think it was very, I grew up very differently to Johan. Um, I grew up in a home that was incredibly loving, a mom and dad that just absolutely were and still are the best parents that there is on the planet. Um, and I think just through my, my high school years, like we all do, I had these moments of um, insecurity, I suppose. Uh, I, when I think back, I just remember moments where I just wanted to be the most beautiful girl in the class and I just wanted to be liked and um, like we all do, I suppose. And there was um, in our youth group at church, there was this girl that was quite a bit older than me and we just really started hanging out as friends. And um, eventually I started developing romantic feelings for her and I was very caught of God with these feelings because I was I've never been attracted sexually to any other woman so it it really freaked me out initially 
Um, and I didn't actually know what to do with it or where to go with it. So I just hid it because it was not something that was really celebrated or um, seen as a good thing back then. Um, so I just kind of gave myself to this relationship and hid it. And eventually also by the grace of God, um, actually my parents found out about it. And then um, this girl moved away. So I was only in this relationship for about six months. Um, and it took me a long while. My my encounter with God was a, a walking out of it for at least two years where mm -hmm. I had to really say, okay, Lord, if I'm giving this up, um, I'm not giving it up for something that is a counterfeit mm -hmm. love. It needs to be a real love for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. yep. the, you know, this is, I do know, a very uncomfortable conversation for the church of God to have. Yeah. And I know somebody might be sitting at home and they're already feeling a bit uncomfortable in that chair. They, they, you know, they, they're focusing on the radio in the car right now. They're not even focusing on the traffic around them because <laughs> uh, they are uncomfortable. It's a very uncomfortable conversation to have. But my question, uh, Johan, is if we're not going to have it, who's going to have this conversation? Exactly. If we're not going to help people, yeah. who's going to help them? Let's start perhaps with you. What do you think the turnaround encounter was for you? Uh, Marlies, you spoke of the fact that it was a journey for you. But Johan, was there a moment when you encountered God or you felt the shift? What was it that brought about the change and the transformation in your life? Yo, I think for me, there was an absolute divine encounter. Um, I ran out of... <laughs> energy and effort and for myself and God met me right there. I love the, the way that Molly's describes it, that there was an exchange of counterfeit love for genuine love and that we both found in God, but just in, in separate journeys. Uh, mine was at a retreat over a weekend where I don't even know why I was there. I think I was such a rubbish, you know, <laughs> I was actually there. Uh, uh, just to flirt <laughs> I was a, a real dog um, <clears throat> And um, it was a camp And uh, somehow I was dragged along And we got to the front of the church I can't tell you why I can't tell you what the, the call was Or what the invitation was to go to the front of the church But I ended up in the front of the church And while I was standing there I was um, thinking what was going to happen back at the campsite Being the naughty rubbish Mm. that I was. Uh, I wasn't even thinking about responding, actually. I was just doing it because everybody did it. Mm. And um, as I was standing there, the God of all creation, the Father of all, uh, the unconditional Father just came and spoke to me audibly. Mm. I heard this voice behind me saying, You are my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Mm. And I thought somebody was just busy saying something to me. So I turned around. Mm. And I don't know if you're familiar, but we come from Pentecostal churches. So, you yeah. know, when there's an invite, everybody goes to yeah, the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a long line. And, 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 and you here I your, am. And like, give your life to Jesus every week. Every week. Every week. We're all there. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I didn't really care because you know what? Come next Sunday, I'll do it again just to impress the right yeah. person. Yeah. I'm standing at the front and I'm hearing this voice and I'm turning around to think, what old sod is talking to me? You mm. know? And there's no one there. Mm. And I suddenly realize. This is a divine moment where God is speaking mm -hmm. to me. 
And a couple of things happen in that moment because he doesn't call me rubbish, mm. even though he knows what I'm talking. And doesn't I'm call thinking. you dog. <laughs> he doesn't call me dog. He doesn't call me waste. He doesn't call me forgotten. No, he calls me son mm. <laughs> in the moment. And he calls me beloved son. Mm. And he reaches out from, I don't know where, but he exchanges the counterfeit love that I want to give myself to. And he says, you don't have to, my boy. Here, you have my, have my love. Uh, for me, an absolute divine moment where God comes and speaks to me like I am so valuable, even though I am, according to human standards, so wasted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I fall a little bit more in love with him every time he tells that story. <laughs> you know... Um, it is very tough for me to to respond to that. I'll tell you why. And um, uh, so sorry that I'm also crying, but <laughs> I'll I'll tell you why. I'm looking at you and I'm listening to your story, but I'm looking at the wholeness mm. and the love that one experiences when you encounter God. <sighs> it is not something that stays in that moment. It mm -hmm. lives with you forever. I'm looking at the tears running down mm. your cheeks, and this is what I'm thinking. As the church, we are keeping this love from people <sighs> because we don't know how to deal with it. And people are out there and they are just seeking for the love, this genuine love of mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. And because we are not willing to have the conversation on how do we approach this, mm -hmm. we are keeping people. And I'm not just talking about people uh, perhaps who is struggling with one specific sin. I'm talking all awesome. of them yes. because you don't want that guy in the church who's smelling like alcohol, who's still addicted. You don't want that drug addict. You don't want that sinner. You don't want that guy who cheated. You don't want that lady who cheated. And the truth is we are all looking for this, Johan, this encounter that you've had yeah. um, with God. Marlise, I want to ask you, mm -hmm. your journey looked a bit different. It, it, it took a bit more time. Mm -hmm. But what do you think some of the key things are that happened in your life, things you received from God that helped you uh, to really make this change and come to the feet of Jesus? Um, I think for me, because I grew up in church, you kind of get used to church and you get used to scripture and you get used to the Bible and you get used to worship and ev everything that goes with church, you know. Um, but the one thing that I realized is whenever life got tough for me prior to this moment, I would turn to the word of God. So I bought myself, I remember back in the day, the message Bible had just come out. And I thought to myself, I'm just going to read the word because if anything's going to change me, this is going to change me. And I remember just reading and reading and reading and scratching and and fighting with God, really fighting with God, saying to him, I don't know why you need me to give this up. I don't know why you are trying to keep me from this, because this is the one thing that is I feel is making me happy and mm. fulfilled. And mm. it's making me feel loved. I mm. think that's what was so hard. It did make me feel loved, you know, um, and. I just remember I read a scripture in James one day that said um, that you eventually what you choose, I'm paraphrasing, but what you choose will em eventually end up in giving birth to death. Sure. And when I read that scripture, mm -hmm. it's like something just arrested my heart. And I realized if I don't, if I don't give this up, mm -hmm. I will, I will end up in, in spiritual death, if not in 
in physical death, yeah. you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think the big thing that happened for me, I always say to people, it wasn't a conversation that anyone had with me or a scripture that anyone showed me to tell me how terrible my lifestyle was mm -hmm. or how wrong it was or how against God it was. It was the fact that in my anger and in my question asking and in my fighting with God, he, he was always there in my mess. Mm. He didn't leave when I was angry. He didn't leave when I asked my questions. Yeah. He didn't leave when I sometimes screamed and swore and didn't want to give up what I felt was right and what I felt would complete me. Um, in my loneliest moments, in my moments when no one understood what I was feeling and was trying to just you know, make me write something mm. over me or drive out a demon or whatever Sucking us. people mm. want to do to mm. try and make you straight. Mm -hmm. um, he never, he never did any of those things. He just sat with me in my hurt. And I felt so loved by the fact that he just never left me. Mm -hmm. He never, he never condemned me. He never told me how wrong I was even. I he just, just loved you. He just loved me mm. in my broken space. And I think that was the game changer for me. I think we can all attest to the fact that no matter whether you are uh, addicted to painkillers, whether you mm. are watching pornography, whether you are envying or jealous, after you've done all these things, all these things, God is right there saying, come, yeah. I'm here, I've got you. But uh, I, I want to wrap up this part of the conversation today, Bazawan. We're not going to be able to get into the details of this <laughs> because their testimony is so multi-layered that I want to get to all of it. I want to try and get to community and how important it is that we build community. But I want to ask you guys this. Um, it is so tough for us to, to, to have this conversation as churches because one, we are afraid that if we don't just preach the fact that this is sin, which it is, if we don't just preach against it and go against it, that we will encourage it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's where the difficult thing comes in is how do we um, reach out to that community? How do we preach love? How do we get people to understand that this is sin and that God has better in mind for you? without condemning them but without encouraging it because that is the tricky part and i don't know mm. i don't know if you guys will even mm. be able to to get into that within a minute or two i think it's always tough because you don't want to condemn because we don't stand in the judgment seat and we don't want to condone because we don't write um uh, the the laws you know um mm -hmm. The, the principles of God. Mm -hmm. But God said to us uh, in our, both of our cases, it was his love that transformed us mm -hmm. and told us that there's a better future. Mm. And um, if we don't love people unconditionally like God did, we can never get to the bridge where we can say, but there's a better prophetic future for you. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it, as a church, we short, uh, church in whole, and globally, we shortchange what God wants to do through us, his hands and feet yeah. by not building the bridge first and then introducing them to the creator God who wants to give them a better future, yeah. a different future. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a conversation that the church needs to have. I we should have so a too. symposium Absolutely. and just everybody get together yeah. and not the world. Don't invite the world. Let's us just ash it out for yeah, ourselves for sure. so that we can uh, talk about this but we thank god god transformed your lives you guys <laughs> are married just very quickly let's get to your testimony five biological children yellow <laughs> marlies five 
Five, five biological children. You've got uh, your eldest is adopted. You also fostered quite a few. How did you guys, as a couple, get to that point where I don't want to say I know you got to the five children? Yeah, obviously, I can explain yeah, it no, 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 no. I know that part. Am I know Papa. <laughs> I'm just another joking. tough conversation for the church, um, but. How did you guys get to that point, Manalise, where you decided, you know what, we've got five, but we've got space for one more and a couple more to foster? <laughs> I don't know. I just think in, in my perfect little head, when I got married at the age of 22, we were going to have two children, a boy and a girl, and live beautifully in our little house together. <laughs> Jan always wanted a big family, actually. Mm. So yeah. he, all he always wanted four. So our kids always say, well, God gave you your two and dad's four. So you ended up with six. Yes. So, yeah. so it I works. It. Um, I don't think we ever asked for it or um, got to a decision. I think we kind of just trusted God every single time. I remember after my second pregnancy, I knew we weren't done. Mm -hmm. After my third and fourth pregnancy, oh, well, the third pregnancy, I said to Anne, I believe God wants us to still have another one. So let's just keep going and then um after the fourth one i was i was ready to stop my body was tired <laughs> so our number five our joy um she was a she was our surprise baby and that was a hard pregnancy for me i have to be honest that was tough for me and then when she was one year old one years old she um we levi came into our home basically and he joined our um like live team that we have a program that we do for kids after school and he was done with that and he yeah he ended up staying and out of all the foster kids he said to us I would like to be a mayor wow I would like to be part of this family I I want to be a mayor mm. and so yeah we mm. he let's just say he's in the wall <laughs> <laughs> he's in he's the, the wall <laughs> listen that that's a very big thing for me mm. um but let me just tell you there's a farmer in bonneville in the western cape uh yonker and um very big farmer you know they've got a lot of a lot of land and doing yeah. very well building schools and he's just a, an amazing child of god but they adopted a son a little boy and that boy bears his name as well yes. and he's junior Right, yeah. so now imagine this white guy with this black boy beautiful. who is his junior. That's How beautiful. The, that's the kingdom of God. That is the kingdom of God. We're talking about building communities, and that's what we are passionate about as Radio Pulpit as well. I read the scripture earlier about Ezekiel. Who will stand in the gap for our communities? Now, when as the kingdom we talk about building communities, we feel like we should go and build them outside, not understanding that we are part of those communities and mm -hmm. we are that community. Mm -hmm. uh, Marlies, what does community building look like to you? Um, for me, it's really being able to see what is in your immediate environment. And I think we've really tried to focus on that um, within the location of our church and where we are, it's easy to say, let's reach out to other countries, which we do. And I believe that's a mandate of God. But he's also put us in this country. He's put us in Johannesburg. He's put us in a space where we really have to just see what he's showing us that is right, that is there in our community. Mm -hmm. And I think we've really been trying to do that. You know, that is what community is for me. What is what is right on my doorstep? Who's right on my doorstep, I think? Yeah. And we've really t tried to bring the focus to our local communities because I think, 
yeah, in South Africa, Johannesburg, people need Jesus absolutely, so much. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, as a nation, we are going through a lot. Yeah. There's sexual abuse. You spoke about your experience with that. I've experienced it. I think a lot of people that I know, we've experienced sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Then there is the economic crisis oh, that yeah. we find ourselves yeah, in. Yeah. There yeah. is load shedding. There's a bit load shedding. <laughs> Leicester. And you know what I've noticed? Every time our electricity minister, Ramakopa, is about to speak, we go down a stage or two before he speaks, a few hours before he speaks. But in any case, we're going through so much as a community. Yeah. Um, what do you think in this season, Johan, Pastor Johan, what do you think mm. in this season we need to build this community of South Africa? Uh, I think we should all just see the community we are in bring the love of Christ in a tangible way into it. We're so privileged that as a church we've got uh, a community that looks after the destitute and the poor and the underprivileged. We've got a community in our community that looks after those that are grieving. We have a community in our community that looks after those that are addicted. Where we help them walk into a degree of freedom. What does a degree of freedom look? Every victory counts doesn't matter if you're free of drugs for a week or a year or six years or day. We've, we celebrate a, a community that celebrates it. Smaller communities, our life groups. And then the bigger community that we are planted, the, the impact we're supposed to have for Christ in the area where we are in Limbra Park. Um, we are surrounded by wealthy, poor, um, average, middle class Let's make a difference where we, wherever we are. We always wait for somebody else to make a difference to the community. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. He says that he has shed the love of Christ abroad in our hearts. Just go out and bring the love and the, 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 the word of God and the spirit of the Holy Spirit into the community where you are. And, and see how he transforms that community into a life-giving organism. Mm. That's what we're supposed to do. Build the communities the the way that you can. Melissa and I have the privilege of being married and having six kids. And, and we can build the community maybe from a nuclear family point of view. Mm. Do it. Maybe you're a divorcee and you've gone through the trauma of having to go through a divorce. Build a community mm. where you've gone through it to show other people this is... I've got love and patience for you. How you grieve, how you process your trauma, do it. Maybe you've lost a loved one during COVID. I mean, COVID knocked mm. the socks out of us. Mm. Let's all stand together. We don't need rugby to unite us. We've got Christ. Come on. I love that. <laughs> we don't need rugby to unite us. We've got Christ. We do. And, you know, um, people are making fun of the hashtag Stronger Together. They were saying that was just, you know, euphoria. It was because of the rugby. <laughs> now uh, the wheels are coming off. Load shedding is back. All these things are happening. We're hating one another. What happened to Stronger Together? I would like to ask what happened to the church? Mm-hmm. Come on. What happened to this uh, in yes. the latest stats? It said, I think, more than 90% of South Africans are Christian. Uh, Pastor Bert Pretorius was saying to me the other day, somebody was lying. <laughs> because there's no way we can be 90% Christian. And our country is looking the way no, it's it can't looking. Be. The murder rate. Come I mean, on. We are at the divorce rate. I mean, also, yeah. South Africa, we are Demakar. Something Aye. is wrong. Somebody lied. Either it's that essay or it's you when you filled in that, <laughs> that letter form. Um, or you're lying to yourself, mm. uh, really. And, and, and it's, it's our job. We have a... Uh, responsibility as Christians to build communities. I mm-hmm. want to thank you guys for the work that you're doing, not only in South Africa but across Africa. 
I believe personally, my personal opinion, that as South Africa, we need to understand we are part of a continent. Yes. Mm-hmm. This yeah. thing of talking about up Africa and the re- what in Africa? What do you mean in Africa? You are in Africa. <laughs> you know, South Africa is in Africa. Yeah. We need to stand together and mm-hmm. really build our community. So thank you for the work that you are doing. What's your advice? Um, your husband gave such beautiful advice mm-hmm. now. At least what's your advice to somebody who's sitting at home and thinking, I want to do something to build my community. And it can look different in every community. Mm-hmm. What is it that I can do? Mm-hmm. What do you say to them? Um, I'm always confronted with what we need to do for Jesus. And I remember saying to him one day, Lord, it's so, sometimes it's just so hard to know. And sometimes it's a little bit intimidating to be your name bearers, you know. And he reminded me of that scripture. I think it's in Romans. I'm, I'm just speaking off the top of my head that says it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. And I felt God ask me, well, can you just be kind to people? Mm. How can you show someone kindness today that will change something for them? And it was off the back of that scripture that we kind of created this little hashtag within our Love Reaching Communities Church that says every person deserves to be loved well. Mm-hmm. So when you walk through my doors of my house or if I see you in a shopping center or if you walk into our church, no matter where it is, I always have this thing in my head of how do I love this person well? Mm-hmm. Because that's what Jesus would have done for them. That's mm-hmm. what he did, did for the woman at the well. Yeah. That's what he did for the one that was unseen and yeah. that no one wanted to touch and that no one wanted to be with. He just loved people yeah. well. And if we can just love people well, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's a meal for someone, whether it's taking a new mom a meal, whether it's, I don't know, babysitting for someone, whether it's just having people over in your home and showing hospitality, um, we have to start somewhere in showing kindness to people because people deserve to be loved well because they are all image bearers of Christ. Opening not just the door us. for His love to flood in yeah. and yeah. transform lives and build communities. Yeah. Yeah. I do have to ask you though from a, a marriage perspective, um, when you find yourself in a marriage with somebody who perhaps comes from a broken background, who's broken, we all yeah, know, yeah. Who's, who's a broken person and my husband, I love him so much, as you can hear, I quote him a lot. <laughs> um, my husband always says that, um, you know, broken people are not necessarily poor people. When you say broken, your mind immediately goes to poor people. Mm-hmm. You think that means poor. Some of us can have be wealthy yeah. and still be broken. Now we find ourselves in this marriage, uh, Pastor. You find yourself in the marriage. Your wife has a broken background. You have a broken background. And we see the manifestation of that broken is sometimes still in marriage. What's your advice for a married person mm-hmm. listening today <laughs> who finds themselves in a marriage with somebody who's still on a journey of healing? I think we're all still on a journey for healing. Let me preface it like that. And my wife has been very gracious to me when I've it, like stumbled upon a piece of brokenness that has debilitated me. From time to time we go through something and all of a sudden a something pops up from the past or something is, 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 is highlighted in our memory and we all of a sudden remember something and it stumbles, it, it affects our behavior. And then it's where the Bible comes and says, um, restore a brother in gentleness and uh, with grace Mm. and if you can do that for your partner because we're all going to come across something oh shucks i've i didn't realize that that's what happened to me and now look how it's affecting my behavior can't write a person off because jesus never writes us off but restore that partner in gentleness and with grace 
And um, if you do that, we will have a lot more marriages that survive because yeah. all of a sudden it's uncomfortable to be in the marriage. Yeah. And now we just do the instant thing and we just quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine if God quit on us. Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where would we be? I don't even want to imagine yeah. it. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I've experienced it from my wife where I've stumbled across something and all of a sudden God says, now is the time to deal with it because he is the keeper of all time. Mm-hmm. And now I want to deal with it. And all of a sudden... My wife has stood next to me with gentleness and grace and frustration <laughs> and sighing and all of the difficulties that come with it. Yeah. But she stood with me because she understands commitment in Christ. So. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. She understands commitment in Christ. Mm. We, we're running out of time. I just want to ask you, Marlies, in closing, very briefly perhaps, what advice do you have to a parent who might be dealing with a child who is struggling with homosexuality. He spoke about the fact that there's certain scriptures that you can't just argue with. God created us male and female. You know, marriage is between a man and a woman. You cannot argue with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we spoke about love. Mm-hmm. We spoke about an encounter. An encounter with God is needed. What advice do you have for that parent? How do we approach this so that we can bring them back to the heart of the Father? Mm-hmm. I think you just have to approach it like you would approach any other sin in your children's lives. Um, For us, it's really important to, if I think of our kids, to just really build relationally with them, to make sure that they have a space that they can come to. And to, uh, I think our kids will always know what we stand for. And they will always know that right is right and wrong is wrong. But Mm -hmm. they, they also know that we are their safe space and we are the space where they can come and debrief, where they can share how they're feeling. Um, and even if those things are hard to hear, we need to hear them. We are parents. Mm-hmm. We are not here. Um, y- you know, we, we're not the teacher. We're not the friend. We are the parents. We have to be there for our kids, no matter what they face and how hard it is. And we have to love them through it. And the best thing you can do in the background is pray. God, God says, pray without ceasing mm-hmm. and just do that. Just oh. be available. Be available, pray without ceasing, love, love, love. Thank you so much for your time today. Should somebody like to reach out to you guys, how do they get hold of you? Well, we have uh, a community website, which is called 133onfirst.co.za. And you can just go to info at lrcchurch.co.za, which is Love Reaching Communities. We are on Facebook. We have a website. Whatever they want, if somebody wants to pick our brains or chat. Or challenge you. Challenge, challenge us. Happy. That comes around often enough, let I me tell you. Imagine. Well, God has called you for this.